I swear I saw them one time when I was really young. It kind of started as this one light, almost like a white glow, but a lot of people I've talked to kind of described it as more of like an amber. I was probably about like five or six years old. And it was, to me, it seemed kind of like a, like almost like lightning, but low on the ground and horizontally instead of, you know, vertically. And then kind of like with a ball kind of going back and forth. And they were just kind of like, it would dart across the horizon a little or like slowly move and it would go up and then it would go down. And then after a little while, it kind of split into two. And then there were two lights kind of moving in different ways. And then at a certain point, it turned into three. If you look to the side, and saw three balls of, of light floating. One green, one red, one blue. And she said it didn't just look like light. She said it looked like if you had a metal orb like melting. And she said it, they were dripping, like it was like metal dripping off of a ball floating and all three of them there. And then they just were kind of moving and this, like they, they resemble headlights a lot, but you can tell that it's not just by the way that they're moving and, and interacting and, Eventually they would kind of like go away and then they would come back and then they would go away. And then boom, she said they, in the blink of an eye, like a UFO, just slipped away. If you're from Texas, chances are you've heard of the Marfa Lights. It's a phenomenon that some people say can be explained, others, not so much. Whatever they are, they sure do keep people coming back to the West Texas city of just under 2,000 people. I'm Bailey Friday, and Texas wants to know, what causes the Marfa Lights? A ranch hand was moving cattle and saw some, some lights off in the distance and made a note to go investigate the next day. Thought maybe it was a campfire or something like that, but went out to check it out and there was no evidence of the campfire. We've got a lot of, of accounts from early settlers who would see the lights and they would go out to try to investigate and not find a source. That's Abby Boyd. She's the president of the Marfa Chamber of Commerce. When the Army Airfield was here and the pilots were doing their training missions in the evenings, they'd see the lights down on the ground. They'd drop uh, sandbags out of their airplane so they could go back and find that location. And there was not ever anything there that they could identify. So we've had meteorologists, geologists, unsolved mysteries, a bunch of people come out to try to figure out what's causing these lights. And lucky for us, nobody's been able to figure it out. And we get to have a mystery light phenomenon right in our backyard. There's at least two kinds of Marfa lights. The first kind is what you can see just about every night if you go out to the Marfa light viewing area by looking south and wait until the sun sets. It's these strange little yellowish white lights that move very slowly, if at all, and, and flicker somewhat. Dr. Carl Steffen is an engineering professor at Texas State University in San Marcos. He studied the lights for weeks during a 2008 sabbatical. It turns out, if you even get a uh, telescope or a pair of binoculars on these lights, it still looks kind of blurry. It's, it's just sort of a blurry kind of it has sort of wiggles in it or, you know, it's not a uniform white light. It's, it has wrinkles, sort of like you're looking through a, a wavy piece of glass. And in fact, that's kind of what's happening. It turns out there's a highway 
about 25 or 30 miles south, I don't have the exact number with me, of the viewing area, which goes sort of slantwise upward on a high hill or mountain. And cars drive along there. And cars at night have headlights, you know. The headlights, when viewed from the Marfalite viewing area, go through, you know, about 20 or 25 miles of air. And there's not that many places where you can just stand and it's not a high elevation, apparently, and see 20 to 25 miles clear shot to another highway. So that's unusual in itself. But that's a feature of Mitchell Flats where the Marfa Light viewing area is. The Marfa Lights viewing area is about nine miles east of the city. From there, you look south toward U.S. Route 67. Basically, the air slightly bends the light from the headlights. And if you go through enough air, even though it's fairly clear, it bends the light quite a number of ways, you know. And so the equivalent of this column of slice of air that's 25 miles long or so is a very wavy piece of glass. And so headlights, like I say, even if you look at it through a telescope, you do not see headlights. You see these little wavy, strange looking objects that are moving slowly against the background of the mountain. That is what just about everybody sees when they go out there. Now, you can call that a marfalite, but we know exactly what it is. and <laughs> We know where it's coming from. I want to hear about the second kind too. What are the real marfalites? I've never seen those. Sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> but a lot of people say they have. So about a week and a half ago, I saw them for the first time. I've been out there a couple of times trying to see them. Just didn't happen. They don't always happen. It's kind of like a luck of the draw type thing. Kelsey Piccolo moved to West Texas last fall. She's originally from Biloxi, Mississippi. I was there on my way back from Marfa, actually coming back to Marathon. And me and my friends were like, hey, let's just stop and see if we see them this time. Like, let's give it a shot. And so we pulled over at the Marfa Lights viewing station, which is about 10 miles east of Marfa. And we gave it about 15 minutes. And sure enough, there they were. Wow. How did you feel watching those? I know I would be kind of creeped out. Um, yeah, it was exciting just because we had all heard about them so much. You know, they're just like this infamous thing that if you're lucky enough, you get to see them. And uh, it was just definitely like, a, oh, my God, there it is. And I was there with these two girls that were from Paris and and also this guy that was from like Alabama. <laughs> and so we were all just like super excited. They were all just kind of passing through for a day and they, they were lucky enough to see them. I feel like I would be super freaked out if I did go and happen to catch the Marvel lights because celestial stuff freaks me out. I'm so fascinated by it, but just looking up at the stars and I'm a huge stargazer, I love to do that. It just makes you realize it's huge out there. It's vast. We are so little and we do not know what's out there. So when I really start thinking about that and kind of go down that rabbit hole, yeah, I can get pretty spooked. It definitely gives you a new perspective that makes you realize how small you are, which is a good realization to, or a good thing to remember here and there. While we were out there during the six weeks, we talked to at least a couple of different groups of people, maybe more, who said they had been out there 10 or 20 years ago or as recently as a year ago and saw something that did not move like these headlight marfalites. It was in a different location. It was a different color. They'd move back and forth in a way that, you know, headlights on a highway typically wouldn't do. 
and did other things. Sometimes they'd split, they'd join together, move vertically. Those are the real morphologists, if you want to call it that. And, you know, unfortunately, our six weeks, we never saw any quote unquote real morphologists. But my friend Jim Bunnell has been out there with his camera and has numbers of photographs of what he would call real morphologists. Other people have seen them, you know, there's other videos or photographs, but that's, that's a much rarer occurrence. Although, you know, who can say when it happens? I don't know. Bunnell is the author of the book, Hunting Marfalites, which initially inspired Dr. Stefan to look into them. What are your personal opinions about the real Marfalites? Do you have any theories as to what they could be? Yeah, there's several phenomena around the world that resemble this. In Hestelin, Norway, there's some lights that show up on a fairly regular basis. People have been researching that for years and haven't come to any conclusions. Also, during and before earthquakes, people see phenomena that uh, include lights fairly close to the ground that maybe if you get close enough to it, it looks like a ball of light, which resembles another phenomenon I research called ball lightning. Ball lightning has been seen by thousands of people over the centuries. Science also doesn't know what ball lightning is, but it occurs mainly during thunderstorms. One possible theory is that there is some geologically active region beneath uh, the area, Mitchell Flats and that surrounding area. And while there might not be an actual earthquake going on, there may be some electrical charge of some description that occasionally gives rise to these lights that last for, you know, seconds to minutes. Ball lightning typically only lasts a few seconds, but it's associated with thunderstorms. There may be some electrical phenomena going out going on out in Marfa that would account for these quote-unquote real Marfa lights. Just speaking of theories, I know that some people have pretty wild out there theories. What are some of the craziest ones you've heard? Well, you know, there's spirits of departed Indians and things like that. And, you know, you, you can't prove a negative in terms of supernatural phenomena. So, you know, I, I can't tell them they're absolutely wrong. But that's not the pro that's not the most likely explanation I'm looking for. Uh, there's other theories about flammable gases that come out and catch fire occasionally. The trouble with those is uh, these things do not act like flames. Hector Montemayor Perez is the news director at Big Bend Radio in Alpine. That's about 26 miles east of Marfa. He explains some of the cultural theories about what the lights could be. That's kind of like the the Mexican folklore version of it, that they're actually witches that shapeshift. And actually, it kind of ties into another folklore legend, if you will, where people say that owls are shapeshifted witches, and that's how they keep an eye on you. And when you're a kid, that's how they, they know which, which is the naughty kid to get and things like that whenever they're ready to get you. So it kind of ties into both of them. I feel like culturally Mexicans are very superstitious in many in many ways. I mean, you get these tall tales from people that when when they live in ranches and you know my two generations before me, they were ranchers and they would, you know, they still had carriages going into town. They lived in a ranch like an hour out and stuff like that and they would um they'd see things unexplainable, they'd try to make sense out of it. So, are aliens a possibility? It's a logical possibility, but that's all I'll say about aliens. <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, if the aliens, I don't know why the aliens pick Mitchell Flats if they're, you know, out there. It's not a particularly hospitable place. 
Okay, at this point, we've heard Dr. Stefan mention the Mitchell Flats a few times, but what are they? It's a place where you can stand on an area that doesn't appear to be that elevated, although, you know, the whole region is quite a distance above sea level, and see for a distance of 20 to 30 miles in several directions. Anything at that distance is liable to be distorted by atmospheric refraction like we're talking about. And so that's that's one of the chief features of Mitchell Flats that is making it interesting to look at things far away from. I think one night we were out there, and if you look to the west toward Marfa, there are some tower lights and so forth that are typically on all night. And I think it was one night, or either myself or Jim captured a photo of one light splitting into three because there were different uh, layers of air with different uh, temperatures. And that mm-hmm. affects the refractive index. And basically you get this mirage that turns into three mirages, kind of like a funhouse mirror, only it's a optical phenomenon that happens over long distances. The way I explain Marfa is if you were to somehow concentrate the Keep Austin Weird vibe, per se, and put it in a bottle and then drive into the middle of the desert and then splash it, that's Marfa. And it is not easy to get to. I live in North Texas and I looked it up on Google Maps. It's an eight hour drive to Marfa from here. It's nearly six hours from San Antonio, seven from Austin, nine from Houston. Even if you fly, unless you fly private, which you know what? I don't know what you know about podcaster salaries, but it's not enough to fly private. (laughs) Even if you fly, it's about a three-hour drive from the airports in Midland and El Paso. It is so remote that it still holds on to that small town, otherworldly quality that, you know, I grew up in central Texas. We would go to places like Blanco and uh, Fredericksburg and Bandera on weekends to kind of get out of the city and more and more as these cities just continue to grow and people realize how awesome Texas is and move here, those towns have have gone from small towns to like kind of big towns or like suburbs of bigger cities. So it's just hard to get away from people. But Marfa and West Texas still has that quietness. We are in the middle of one of, no, not one of, the largest dark sky reserve in the world. So the skies are super dark. You can see just infinity stars. The sunsets are incredible. The landscape is beautiful. You get to know your neighbors. It's easy to participate in community. It's easy to be a volunteer here. I could go on. And Marfa is not just famous for its lights. The remote West Texas city has also developed into a hub for artists over the last half century. In the 1970s, the artist Donald Judd was looking for space. He was coming from New York and he was kind of tired of the art scene. He wanted space to install permanent large scale works of art. And he remembered the landscape of this area. So he came back and he found Marfa with a lot of beautiful vacant buildings that were unused and pretty cheap to buy. So he started, well, he started with 340 acres of what was formerly the military fort and purchased those, that land and those buildings with the intention of building 
those artworks and filling those buildings with artworks he made and uh, bringing other artists basically uh, at his invitation to make permanent large scale works of art. So Marfa became the place you had to travel to if you wanted to see these artworks. You know, you can't ship these to New York or Berlin. You've got to come to Marfa. So people did. I think Marfa has a certain charm where it's a surprise, it's unexpected, and yet it's very attractive. I think a lot of people want to get away from bigger cities, bigger towns, want to experience something. And Marfa is a good getaway for that, where there's a difference between literally being in a town that has nothing, like a ghost town that has nothing and two dollar stores and a gas station. And there's a difference between that and, you know, it has some ranches. And there's a difference between a town that has seemingly been curated for tourism and that has a very distinct culture. And it's been exploding because of that, because people want more of a authentic, more of a spaced out, more of a free, more of a small town American feel, Texas feel more specifically. And once cities get kind of discovered, there's often a push and pull between keeping the authentic small town feel and then capitalizing on the economic impact of the tourism. So how does Marfa balance all that? Well, that is, I think, like like balancing anything in our lives it may or may not be in balance, just depending, you know, we have, like I mentioned, we have a strong community here of locals. It's a small number. It's around 1,700, 1,800 people who live here. And we really have each other's backs, I think, ultimately, when it comes down to it. As many differences as we may have, we've all chosen this place as home because we love things about it. We love the small town. We love the dark skies. We love the land. We love the culture of being near the Texas-Mexico border. But there are things that threaten that. You know, we've seen towns that have changed drastically for better or worse in other parts of Texas. And the same thing could happen to Marfa, which is why we try to really be conscientious about what's happening here and try to make sure that the changes that happen are with us involved in the conversation at the very least. There's a lot of things that we can't control, but I think that it's so important for communities, especially small communities like ours that have something precious to hold on to, to make sure that we're active in the conversation and make sure that we don't let things get out of control. Do you have any personal theories as to what the lights could be? I'm kind of a person that's just like comfortable with not knowing things and just accepting them as they are. But I mean, if you, you can probably get on Reddit and read for hours about theories and, and things like that, if that's what you're into. But I just think they're pretty cool. I like to accept a mystery for a mystery. There are definitely people who have very strong opinions about what causes them. But I just, I, I like the magic of them. When I go out, you know, you you don't get to experience that feeling too often where you, you see something kind of mysterious and feel that rush of excitement. So personally, I don't feel like I need to uh, try to figure it out myself. If Unsolved Mysteries couldn't get it, then I don't stand a chance. <laughs> I love that outlook, the beauty of the unexplainable. Absolutely. 
What do I think the Marfa lights are? I honestly don't know, but I would love to get out there sometime and go see them. I never have. I tend to be pretty open to the unexplainable. And could the Marfa lights be something other than reflected headlights? Maybe so. I'm Bailey Friday at News Radio 1080 KRLD in Dallas, Fort Worth. Thank you guys so much for joining me on our podcast, Texas Wants to Know. If you like the show, please give us a rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced by Chris Blake and Savannah Jones. Original music by Michael Eisenstein. Editorial support from Cooper Mall. Odyssey's managing producer for national news podcasts is Myron Kaplan.